You're listening to Life, the Universe, and Everything Else. Today on the show, Conspiracy Theories. Life, the Universe, and Everything Else explores the intersection of science and society. If you have questions or comments about the show, or you'd like to suggest a topic, you can find us on Twitter or Facebook. Or send us an email at lueepodcast at winnipegskeptics.com. Show notes and references can be found at lueepodcast.com. I'm your host tonight, Ashley Noble, and with me today I have Laura Creek Newman. Hi there. Lauren Bailey. Hi. And Jem Newman. Hello. So we have talked about some conspiracy theories in the past, most recently uh, true conspiracy theories, ones that were actual cover-ups and horrible things that governments and such have done. And we've also talked about the moon landing, but we've uh, actually never done a standalone here's a bunch of conspiracy theories show. So we're going to talk about some of our favorite conspiracy theories and it's going to be a good time. We're going to jump right in with a horrible uh, conspiracy theory that I have never heard of because I'm not on Twitter. Well, last month, when Ashlyn announced that we were talking about conspiracy theories on this show, Jem had said that someone should cover QAnon. I railroaded somebody into it. I'm (laughs) sorry. (laughs) Since neither Ashlyn nor Laura had ever heard of it, and I spent far too much time, as Ashlyn said, in the apocalyptic hellscape that is political Twitter, I volunteered. I then promptly edited it out of the show in case there was something else I could do. (laughs) (laughs) Strap in, folks, because this is some bananas conspiracy thinking. Rational Wiki had the best description of QAnon. Quote, QAnon's central premise is that President Trump is secretly working to take down a global ring of elite, cannibalistic, satanic pedophiles. What? They also believe that the investigation into Russian meddling in the 2016 election, led by former FBI Director Robert Mueller, is actually an investigation into the so-called Deep State, where a cabal of evil, money-grubbing globalists, including Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama, are responsible for everything from a global pedophile ring to the mass shooting in Las Vegas in 2017. Simple and straightforward, right? Once you hear it out loud, it all seems so rational. (laughs) No. (laughs) Something as involved as QAnon can be called a super conspiracy, because it rolls a bunch of different theories and beliefs into a fantasy burrito. In his book, Culture of Conspiracy, political scientist Michael Barkin classifies conspiracies into three categories. Event conspiracies center around a single event or brief series of events. So think the JFK assassination theory. Systemic conspiracies are broader, but are perpetrated by a group at the center of the conspiracy, like Freemasonry or the Illuminati. Super conspiracies combine both systemic and event conspiracies, and someone somewhere is controlling all of it with a very organized spreadsheet and Gantt chart. I assume that those were the ones that allow unlimited political donations? Yes. Via dark money? Okay. Mm-hmm. QAnon originated on 4chan on October 28, 2017. It's my mother's birthday. Ooh, I like that we have such a precise date for this conspiracy theory. Mm-hmm. <laughs> The post was created following something that 45 said in a press conference when surrounded by military personnel. Quote, 45. You guys know what this represents? Maybe it's the calm before the storm. Reporter. What storm, Mr. President? 45. You'll find out. The following message on the slash poll board of 4chan appeared shortly after. HRC extradition already in motion effective yesterday with several countries in case of cross-border run. Passport approved to be flagged effective 10.30 at 12.01 a.m. Expect massive riots organized in defiance and others fleeing the U.S. to occur. USMs will conduct the operation while NG activated. Proof check. Locate an NG member and ask if activated for duty 10.30 across most major cities. Now 4chan, and its even more racist little brother 8chan, only allow anonymous posting. 
The thread that started the QAnon conspiracy was called CBTS, which calm before the storm. And the originator is an anonymous user claiming to have Q-level clearance. Q-clearance is the U.S. Department of Energy authorization for those with top-secret clearance, as defined in the Atomic Energy Act of 1954. It was also the title of a Peter Benchley novel about the Cold War, and it was a plot point in a 2016 episode of Archer. (laughs) So this anonymous Q, hence the creative conspiracy name, leaves breadcrumbs for their followers to decipher. Some followers are convinced that Q is someone high up in the government, or is Steve Bannon, or 45 himself, or 45's Jr. One amazing theory offers that JFK Jr. faked his plane crash in 1999. He is now in hiding, and he is sending messages as Q. Uh-huh. Oh my god. Sure. Oh. And when you Google JFK Jr. plane crash to find out that it happened in 1999 because you can't remember 20 years ago, the first couple of links are Q YouTube uh, videos. <laughs> Ugh. <laughs> Let's go back and decipher that original message. HRC extradition already in motion effective yesterday with several countries in case of cross-border run. Passport approved to be flagged effective 1030 at 1201 a.m. HRC is Hillary Clinton. Mm -hmm. In October 2017, there was not a plan to arrest her, as this part of the message indicates. Mm. And although I'm sure it crossed her mind every day to leave the country after the 2016 election, there was no mass extradition agreement with several countries in case she did leave the United States. Expect massive riots organized in defiance and others fleeing the U.S. to occur. Also has not occurred. USMs will conduct the operation while NG activated. Proof check. Locate an NG member and ask if activated for duty 1030 across most major cities. The United States military was not sent out to find Clinton, nor was the National Guard activated for some kind of military coup. In the end, it didn't matter if the Q messages were true or not. As Q themselves, or someone posing as Q, said, sometimes they have to post disinformation to throw those who oppose them off of the track. <laughs> God. Yeah, yeah, okay. You can trust us, <laughs> but also you can't trust us, but you can trust us. Yeah. If it doesn't happen, it was because it was a false. Yeah. 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 You, you always need the out, right? Mm-hmm. For those who believe in this coming storm, that kind of thinking is proof enough even in the face of the fact that none of Q's predictions have come true. It's super weird that people would really get on board with this, even when the very thing that kicked it off was false. Mm-hmm. And demonstrably so. Like, like have a run of small hits before you try to... Uh. That's true for a lot of conspiracy theories, though, Jim. Sure. They are impossible to disprove. They lack scientific fa- falsifiability and any internal logic, so there's really no way to disprove them. One of the retroactive core sub-conspiracies of the QAnon phenomenon is Pizzagate. Mm-hmm. I have heard of this one. During the 2016 election cycle, which is a phrase I dislike as much as appending gate to any sort of scandal, <laughs> coded reading of Clinton's campaign manager's hacked emails turned the phrase cheese pizza into pedophilia. <sighs> Therefore, said campaign was running a pedophilia ring for Washington elites out of the basement of Comet Ping Pong. A but pizza wait a second. Table tenant. Pizzagate was before the election, mm-hmm. and you said that this QAnon thing happened after the election. It's been retroactively like pulled into the oh, conspiracy. Oh, okay. No, it's just <laughs> no, when, it's true. when nothing makes any sense, <laughs> it makes sense that you have no idea what's going on. Like, wait, I thought I knew that what was happening here. Okay. It goes further back, don't you worry. Yeah. Uh, great. Yeah. <laughs> Well, all the way back well, to JFK, that, apparently. That, that, that Trump killed JFK. <laughs> <laughs> when in fact, we all know it was Ted Cruz. <laughs> it goes back further than that. Whoa. Is that Ted, Ted Cruz or Ted Cruz's dad? Ted Cruz's dad okay. shot JFK. Yeah, okay. Well, Ted, Ted Cru- Cruz is the Zodiac killer. Ted Cruz is the Zodiac killer, right. <laughs> Maybe Ted Cruz is a vampire. There's only one Ted Cruz. Mm-hmm. His last name mm-hmm. is Cruz, though. And that means cross. That's trying to throw you off the scent. 
Oh, mm. yeah, right, right. Falsifiability. Oh, he got me. <laughs> but, like, that whole Pizzagate thing got at least the one guy in a lot of trouble because he went in there and, like, tried to find the... The pedophiles the, yeah. and yeah. got arrested, and it was ridiculous. Yeah, and that was because right-wing fear mongers like Infowars ran with the story. And that was in December 2016 when a vigilante gunman determined to save the children burst into Comet Ping Pong and demanded to see the basement. So it turns out there is no basement to Comet Ping Pong, much less one where children are being abused. Surprise! Astute listeners like Ashlyn noted <laughs> that all of these events occurred pre-Q. It's connected as something that this storm has cleaned up thanks to 45 and his astute handling of every crisis ever. How do they know? Because in 2017, 45 awkwardly drank from a bottle of Fiji brand water during a press conference. Well, that was just because he's never actually tasted water before he only drinks Diet Coke. Mm -hmm. Well, his actions weren't a thirsty septuagenarian with motor difficulty trying to lift a bottle. No, it was a signal to his elite underground troops that they were taking out similar pedophile rings worldwide because everyone knows that the majority of child sex abuse happens in Fiji. What? Boy, that's a reach. Oh, boy. We're through the rabbit hole here, people. Oh. Do they ever explain how Trump could have been involved in the Comet Pizza thing, given that he wouldn't have been directing anything at that time? Wasn't he? Right, okay. Don't you remember? He was on the ground at 9-11 trying to, you know, directing his troops. Don't, don't, don't just repeat those things with a, I mean, that's <laughs> false. Very false. Yeah. This connecting of seemingly random events into a large web of conspiracy is a mental phenomenon known as apophenia. The phrase was coined in 1958 to describe the behavior of early stage schizophrenia. But it has grown to encompass conspiracy thinking as well. Listeners may be more familiar with the visual uh, experience of apophenia that we also call pareidolia, hmm. which is um, pareidolia was originally coined to describe seeing faces specifically, yeah. I believe. But apophenia is the more general phenomenon. Yeah. And the QAnon web has become extremely random and apophenistic? Yeah, let's go with that. Yeah, apophenistic. It's either through intent or through the madness of crowds. Believers are encouraged to, as I said, go down the rabbit hole, and follow the white rabbit to connect all of the dots that they don't want people to know. They is whoever suits someone to be the villain in any particular instance. One popular QAnon tangent is the fact that J.P. Morgan sunk the Titanic so that he could start the U.S. Federal Reserve. I prefer okay. the story that it was the mummy's curse. Mm -hmm. Well, no, you see, there were several opponents of the reserve on the boat, and Morgan knew that they would be on it because it was like this big thing, so they were going to cross the Atlantic on it. So he had the boat built without safety standards, to ensure that it would sink, and therefore ensuring that he would be able to start the, the reserve. Oh, okay. As if a capitalist needed a reason to shirk safety standards. Yeah. You can also link theories such as Atlantis, the death of Princess Diana, oh, good. Lincoln's assassination, the Oof. New World Order, of course. GMOs, yeah, and anything always. else you want to QAnon. No idea is too out there to play 36 degrees of separation from 45 <laughs> secret world police action. <laughs> Love it. My Chekhov's paper was a conspiracy map. It's in my source links in the show notes, so our listeners can see it as well. It has every event that has been linked to the storm from the beginning of history. Oh my god. It starts in the upper left-hand corner, Ashlyn. There's hashtag Tyler in here. I wonder how my brother is involved. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Think of how your brother's involved. <laughs> well, he's a Mountie, so I'm sure that they are covering up stuff. Mm -hmm. Aliens, missing and murdered indigenous women. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think that second one. Uh, oh, Lemuria. Yeah. yeah. Satanism. What is Lemuria? Saturn. Please tell me like, it has to do with lemurs. Like just just no. the planet Damn Saturn it. or yeah. dissociative identity disorder? Yeah. More like the Manchurian candidate kind of way. 
Okay, sure. Uh, oh, the Trans-Pacific Partnership. <laughs> of course. Right? Uh, Lots of high-level world leaders involved in that. Uh, the Grey Pope, the Black Pope, the White Pope, all, all the popes, really. Yeah, there's a lot of anti-Catholicism and, big surprise, anti-Jewish involved in this kind of thinking. Apparently the Native American genocide uh, was a result of this conspiracy as well. That's a simpler explanation of that. Oh, the crucifixion of Jesus. What? <laughs> Okay, Jim, let's get... Yeah, don't. We'll sit here all night. How? How? Oh, man, you have to have a lot of not cool stuff going on in your life. Laura, I have spent the last week immersed in this garbage. Are you okay? No, it's clinging to my skin. I'm getting (laughs) snippy at work. (laughs) God, that's... There is one funny thing about this conspiracy theory. Normally, when you have this sort of big centralized conspiracy, the big cabal that is at the center is the evil ones, right? Mm-hmm. For the QAnon folk, they are now comforted that someone on their side is running the show. It's mm. 45's secret police, and he's running the world. I've got their daddy. Someone is taking care of everything they don't like, and they can make their world make sense by knowing that they're covered. Yep, it's a just world after all. QAnon followers are, not surprisingly, predominantly white and male. Most of the blanket conspiracies involve some heaping helping of racism and other bigotry. There are the usual theories about George Soros and the New World Order which is code for Judaism, as well as some that are about the Rothschilds and the House of Saud. And that's a weird one, considering how close the American federal right wing is with rulers of Saudi Arabia. But those three, so you've got the New World Order, the Rothschild, and the House of Saud, they make up the triangle. Yep, they're the Illuminati. Okay. It covers everything. Mm-hmm. Part of me wants to go on and on. All school shootings have been false flags to take your guns. The Las Vegas shooting, as we mentioned before, was an inside job because something, something, pyramid, something, something. And if they can boggle you with data... It's easy to get overwhelmed and start letting it wash over you like just an ocean of bullshit. One of the major tenets of the QAnon conspiracy was that the Mueller investigation was actually about taking down high-ranking members of the Democrat Party. In March of 2019, when no mention of cannibalism or aliens or anything else these folks believe showed up in the report, they lost their shit. S- said that there was a secret second report? They carried on as before. Because oh, yeah. okay. nothing can deter them at this no. point. Of course they couldn't put that all in the public report. That part went straight to the storm to take these people down in secret. Mm. For America. Reminds me of my studying for the the cars part of the MCAT. You know, like, how would the author respond to this new piece of information? Well, they would disregard it, Mm -hmm. is usually the answer. (laughs) If you watch coverage of 45's rallies or other appearances, you can see followers of Q holding up signs or displaying their allegiance in some other way. In 2018, a member of a Florida SWAT team reported for duty to escort the VP while wearing a Q patch on his uniform. That's terrifying. Right-wing media personalities who promote this theory have also been given special access to the White House. For someone with 45's need for adoration and also his conspiratorial bent, QAnon is like catnip. Not that he likes cats or anything. Let's hope not. I always try to end these segments with some idea of how we can push back against things like these. My experience with conspiracy theorists, especially those with this kind of unifying belief system, is all we can really do is hold our ground. If you push back against a theory, they're more likely to believe even harder. But you have to do it. We can't let this kind of dangerous bullshit go without speaking up. But remember to stay safe while you're doing that. And it's good to remember, too, that a theory that purports to explain everything actually has no explanatory power at all. Cure-alls, cure-nothing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like that application. That's QAnon. I'm now glad I never have to read another thing about it voluntarily. <laughs> all of the links in my show notes are to sanitize critical sources. They are not to some of the other things that I went to. If you want to find them yourself, go right ahead. 
I'm not going to give you a link to it, though. Thank you. Good call. So we had some technical difficulties this week, and naturally we had not set up our usual backup recording. We all forgot about it at once. <laughs> the one time! <laughs> and the save file dropped most of Jem's segment. So Jem is going to record that, and we're going to release it as a bonus episode. So look for that in the near future. Sorry, everyone. I am going to talk about some food-related conspiracy theories today. I'm actually going to talk about three of them here, but a lot of them are pretty quick, so it should be okay. So we're all familiar with conspiracy theories for just about everything, and of course, food is no stranger to conspiracy theories. There are the big ones that you can find on any list of food-related conspiracy theories. Things like fluoride in the water is a form of mm. government mind control and or other things for us. These kinds of things have been emphasized repeatedly by the likes of uh, Infowars and how, who we all know have no basis to them there. It's just a bunch of fear-mongering. And of course, the classic GMO foods cause every condition under the sun. <laughs> um, also, maybe government mind control slash corporate population control. Or, you know, some <laughs> of them will say, you know, maybe they actually spread vaccine-preventable illness and things like that. Yeah, GMOs are definitely on that map of conspiracies there. So I'm not going to talk about those because those are well-known. I know you've covered it before, but would you consider the whole, like, margarine is one molecule away from plastic to be a conspiracy theory or just like bad science? Uh, it's myths. And that's what gets hard because a lot of the things on there are, I don't know, some of them straddle it, mm -hmm. straddle that line. Um, so another one would be, this one I find is not as popular as it was about 10 years ago, but the whole Tim Hortons coffee is so addictive it contains nicotine thing. Oh, God. Oh, yeah, <laughs> Remember it, all that? I'd forgotten. Also, what I didn't realize was that um, in the U.S., they had the same conspiracy theory, but for Dunkin' Donuts coffee. <laughs> of course they did. So it's not just a Tim Hortons thing. Caffeine is already addictive. Like, why do you need to add, like, a different addictive substance? Yeah, so so that, I would say, is closer. That's more on the conspiracy theory side mm -hmm. of things because it involves nefarious actions and secretive things. The ones where it's like it's one molecule away from this or it doesn't burn when it says it will or whatever like that, that's more just, yeah, that's bad science and people just not, that's myths, I would say. So I'm not going to be talking about those types of things today. I'm going to talk about some of the lesser-known food-based conspiracy conspiracy theories that I came across. So the first one, has anybody heard of the Chipotle conspiracy? Is everybody familiar with Chipotle, the restaurant that serves massive burritos that are quite delicious? Yes. I'm familiar with the restaurant. I'm familiar with all of the jokes about having to run to the bathroom after you eat there. Uh, they have had several uh, outbreaks of foodborne illness. Yeah. So that's where this stems from, both in 2015 and again in 2017. Chipotle restaurants across the country had outbreaks of different foodborne illnesses. The first time it was E. coli. The second time there was norovirus, I believe. Oh, boy. The theory with this is that this wasn't just bad luck or bad corporate practices. Could this have been biotech? Tech sabotage? Dun, dun, dun. Exactly. No. <laughs> As expected, when this type of bad press and understandably terrible situation happens at these restaurants, uh, Chipotle, the company's stocks plummeted both of these times, and the company lost considerable value. What this 
theory says is that big biotech companies planted the E. coli in the Chipotle food supplies as a retaliation for the company's anti-GMO stance. They So they knew that this would cause E. coli outbreaks, which would cause the company's stock to lose a lot of money. And then these biotech companies also engineered, you know, making money off of these falling stock prices. So it's all a big retaliation. So what's the reality on this? Well, the Chipotle outbreaks were, in fact, a bit unusual. First of all, it was at a large number of locations. Some sources will say that the the strain of E. coli is an unusual one to find, and so that does raise some red flags there, and apparently the outbreak was quite severe. And all of this is particularly unusual for a chain of this size, because the bigger the restaurant chain, the more standards that have to be in place and things like that. And the more different suppliers. And the Right. So yeah, there's unusual things, but none of these are conclusive evidence of sabotage. So where does this theory come from? Anybody have any guesses? The Rand Corporation. No. Um, what's his face? Chody, Chody guy. Alex Jones. Alex Jones. Yeah. No, but it's a compatriot. <laughs> uh, Rush Limbaugh. Paul Joseph Watson. No. All right, tell uh, us. Glenn Beck. No. Okay, close. Mike Adams of Natural News. Oh, oh fuck, Natural I forgot News. that guy existed. Why did you remind me? <laughs> a lot of this, a lot of this theory comes from an article that he wrote for Natural News, where it was basically him using a ton of fear-mongering, all the anti-GMO stance. He didn't he failed to provide any evidence for any of these claims that he was making. Sorry, His only think- bit of evidence in giant quotation marks <laughs> is that Dr. Oz was once harassed by pro-GMO lobbyists. Therefore, this happened. Like, what? Okay. (laughs) There was a great headline from Eater.com in 2015 that sums up the situation well. Raving conspiracy theorist claims Chipotle is the victim of food terrorists. (laughs) You know, if you have to start with raving conspiracy theorist, you know where that article is going. In the end, Chipotle revamped their food safety procedures after the outbreaks. My personal view of what is the most likely thing that happened in this situation is that there was a company-wide failure to meet food safety standards. They didn't have proper procedures in place. And so if all of their restaurants are operating in a poor way, it makes sense that they would have similar types of issues. Chipotle focuses on a lot of fresh-made food, so they have a lot of raw ingredients, a lot of people handling them. If you've ever been in there, there's people at the grill all day long cooking meat and things like that. So there's a lot of opportunities for contamination. Because of their selective food practices, too, as much as they have many suppliers, they probably have fewer suppliers than other restaurants because they want to maintain their anti-GMO or whatever it is that they're doing, their local organic whatever. And so if there is something that gets into there, it's going to be more concentrated than, say, McDonald's that is getting their food from the whole country. Was theirs the contaminated lettuce, or am I thinking of a different listeria outbreak somewhere? Uh, theirs was E. coli, and I didn't read into what it was, what which food it mm-hmm. came from. No, there. the lettuce thing was a different thing, and it was all over the place, not just Yeah, Chipotle. oh, right, that was the romaine lettuce in Canada, like, two years ago. Yeah. Never mind. And before that, you know, ten years ago, it was the spinach in oh, Canada yeah. and the U.S. It's the fact that they grow huge amounts of leafy greens that we eat raw, right next to fields where huge amounts of cattle are fattened for slaughter and things like that. There's a lot of issues with that. So it's doubtful that the Monsantos and DuPonts of the world actually sabotaged some Chipotle restaurants as retaliation for not buying their GMO soy or whatever it is. All right, conspiracy theory number two. Did you know that Outback Steakhouse? Is everybody familiar with Outback Steakhouse? It's a steakhouse chain. 
They serve the bloomin' onion. <laughs> yeah. Did you know that this chain is linked with Satanism and the Illuminati? What I, isn't? I still don't. <laughs> <laughs> so this discovery was made by Twitter users. Oh, Twitter. <laughs> Apparently these people have too much time to kill. And they found that in cities that have at least five Outback Steakhouse locations... I wish... <laughs> when you look at a map of said city with oh, yeah. all those Google, you know, little Google pinpoints of where they are, you can always connect those locations with a pentagram. Yep. Meaning because that's how it works. works. <laughs> that's how lines work. <laughs> it's amazing. And this oh, is why Earth is not a globe. <laughs> So this is a nice, easy one. Of course, this is total bullshit. But there were a lot of people drawing terribly shaped stars on their Google Maps of their cities. And it's so, you know, yes, five points can be connected in numerous ways. And a pentagram is one example. You know, luckily, there were some more creative Twitter users that also did some other shapes to show that it could be different things. Did you know that every city with at least eight Tim Hortons has a Tim Hortons shaped like a lopsided stop sign because you should stop <laughs> drinking Tim Hortons coffee because it's full of nicotine. Exactly. You know, even if it was five pointed in that, you could make it other things. You could make it spokes on a wheel. You could make it tips of petals on a flower. You could make it all sorts of different things. A star is one thing. And I mean, logically, when you think about how most cities develop, at least a lot of cities in North America, they start out with a core and they spread out with suburbs all around them. Outback steakhouses are far more likely to be in suburbs. So yeah, you're going to have them as points on the outside of a city, which are easy to make a star out of rather than concentrated in the center because yeah. I just <laughs> googled just some sense. pictures of these pentagrams. I also like how they just ignore ones that don't fit exactly. them. Exactly. Yeah. So you'll, <laughs> you'll see a lot of these pictures where there's like nine of these and they take whichever ones make a pentagram star, and just say, yeah. ignore the, the rest of them. And so my question too is what about cities with four locations? Don't the Illuminati care about them too? They're still right? moving in. Yeah, I haven't got around to it yet. <laughs> right. So that was just a really fun one. Luckily, this one does not seem to have lasted very long. And apparently, uh, Outback Steakhouse got in on the action. And so they just superimposed pictures of Bloomin' Onion over these same cities. <laughs> <laughs> Which is which is good, you know? Why not, right? This is ridiculous, and they might as well join in the fun. The Illuminion. Oh. <laughs> that's, that's good. That's good. <laughs> Amazing. Here's my third conspiracy. The 1970s fondue craze was a plot <laughs> by a corrupt Swiss cheese union. <laughs> oh, no, I've definitely heard this. The cheese cartel thing. Yeah. yeah. Everybody into swingers? I think it was like a no. Planet Money episode or something. Yeah, you you are right. So this is not actually a conspiracy theory. It's true. <laughs> but I couldn't not include it. It's because a true it's, conspiracy. It's a true conspiracy. Hey, we did a whole episode it's, about those. It's awesome. So, you know, if you can think of the quintessential party food of the 1970s, it was probably fondue, right? Most of us ha grew up, or at least I grew up in a house that had a fondue pot tucked way back in the, in the cupboard because... <laughs> I was born in the 80s and nobody did fondue after that. We have a fondue pot and we do it about twice a year and that's that's yeah, about it. We do it for some special occasions. Exactly. You know, food fads come and go, but did you ever wonder where this came from? No. So, as I said, this is a true conspiracy. The claim here, or what's said to have happened, is there is a cartel of Swiss cheese makers 
invented fondue as a traditional Swiss dish and marketed it heavily to North America to drive up their cheese sales. This is true. So there was a cartel. It was called the Swiss Cheese Union. Uh, there was a German name for it, which I am not going to badly mispronounce <laughs> here. You can look it up very easily. Just Google Swiss Cheese Union, you'll find it. Also, Swiss Cheese Union sounds like a, just a hilarious name in general. <laughs> so this was essentially a cartel that controlled most of the cheese and dairy production in Switzerland, and they were involved in price fixing, changing which types of cheese were allowed to be produced, and they also managed to get uh, huge sums of money in the government, and then eventually lots of internal corruption, as these types of groups usually are. You know, like we have a lot of agricultural lobbies in Canada that uh, that have a lot of power too. Oh, of course. Maple syrup cartel in Quebec. There yeah. and and yeah. there are definitely, you it's know, this is funny not, but true. <laughs> and, and when it comes down to producers, when the producers of of specific things decide to stop competing and join together, that's kind of what happens. Mm -hmm. This one seems to have taken it to a particularly high level. Um, some people will call it the Swiss cheese mafia, if you will. <laughs> you know, it's a thing that, you know, exists, but nobody really talks about anymore. And it had about an 80-year run in Switzerland. So it was formed at the beginning of the First World War. And one of their goals at the beginning was to ensure there was enough cheese for the Swiss population, uh, manage shortages because there was shortages in feed for the cows and things like that and also ensure profits and sales for the cheesemakers during this time of war. After World War I, there was the Great Depression. Of course, this left Swiss cheesemakers with less of a market, so it put their livelihoods at risk. So their their role in increasing sales and, and prices became even more important. They also took over exporting control at this point, and they did take on the role of quality assurance because they were saying that there were inferior cheeses being produced, and so they wanted to make sure that it was only high-quality cheeses. Inferior cheeses not made by them. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Right. One true Swiss cheese. <laughs> yeah. Actually, it's it's at this point where they did yeah. really regulate what type of cheese was made. So for a long time, Switzerland had a history of making about a thousand types of cheese. In the 1920s and 30s, they narrowed it down to three. Emmental, Gruyere, and Sprins. So the last one most people I don't think have heard of here. The other two we've generally heard of as the primary ingredients of fondue. <laughs> Melty and good. Melty and good. Absolutely. So in the 1930s, the Swiss Cheese Union got the Swiss government to name fondue as the national dish. And the two primary ingredients, like I said, were those two cheeses. Now, fondue did exist before, but it was a small rural dish that wasn't consumed regularly. It is not a traditional Swiss dish outside of a few small communities. There, So they found this thing, what can we do with lots of cheese, and how can we market this places, and really amped it up. And then, of course, they were involved in a lot of the uh, cartel-type things, like price fixing, the Swiss Cheese Union got government subsidies for the industry, they also became a major stakeholder and owner of the milk industry, and so there's, in one of my references, there's a complicated map where the Swiss Cheese Union would sell milk to the milk producers and then to the government and then back to themselves. And it ended up with a them making a lot of money off of the same thing. Yes, <laughs> it is very funny. That, that reminds me of the fact that for decades, Walt Disney owned a separate company that owned his name. And then he licensed his own name to the Walt Disney Corporation for a profit. Oy. That's part of the Walt Disney conspiracy. Which is part of QAnon. Of course Don't it do is. this to me. <laughs> Everything is part of QAnon. 
<laughs> Even the Swiss cheese union. All right. So the reason that we we all became enamored of Swiss cheese about 40, 50 years ago is because of this cartel there. And as all cartels do, they eventually implode when there was too much corruption and they were bleeding the Swiss government dry. And uh, so they no longer exist as of the 90s there, but they had an approximate 80-year run as the sole controllers of cheese. So luckily now, if you are a Swiss cheese producer, you are allowed to make other types of cheese. But for a, a long period, you were not allowed to make anything other than those those three cheeses. Yeah, now the conservative minority in Switzerland is really mad that they revamped the food pyramid and you're no longer supposed to eat two kilograms of Gruyere every, uh, every day. <laughs> How Sorry, about Pepper Jack? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, Shear, uh, Andrew Shear, that is, uh, that is really Chocolate mad about the Chocolate milk saved his son's life, don't you oh, know? God. Yeah. So, uh, for our listeners, is a Canadian uh, conservative politician who's on the rise uh, may end up God, being I our next not. prime no. minister. I mean, Trudeau sucks too, but... Um, but he's not, he doesn't hang out with Nazis. She yeah, does. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Sheer is, you know, really courting the <laughs> dairy lobby, who is very mad that Canada's revamped food guide no longer has a separate dairy food category. Right. They didn't lobby hard enough or pay enough money to get their own special section. <laughs> right. No, well, but no, this the food guide this was food, explicitly yeah. made without industry, like right. without consulting industry. Yeah. And Every, so Sheer is proper. Sheer's exactly. whole point is there was no consultation when, in fact, there was lots of consultation with like dietitians and scientists, and scientists and public um, health officials but there was no and... consultation with industry lobbies and that's yeah. why <laughs> which is the most important thing for conservatives <laughs> right yeah talking to true. the industries so two fake one real <laughs> <laughs> you know that's uh par for the course there's probably lots of real terrible things that are happening out there but there's really a lot of fake ones so i don't know Bring us home, Angela. I actually thought I had covered this one before because it is my very favorite conspiracy theory. And I think that I've probably just talked about it before as my favorite conspiracy theory, but I haven't actually discussed the Denver airport. There are so many conspiracy theories about the Denver airport. So many. <laughs> And it all starts with the fact that they had to shut down their old airport, which wasn't super working out for the city because it was like really at capacity and they couldn't expand anymore without getting into the space of some like nuclear arms development place or something. So it was just getting too busy and too crowded. So they started uh, this whole new site and it's one of, I think, the biggest airport in the world, something like 53 square miles. Oh, like so it's biggest huge. spatially? Yeah. Oh, okay. Hmm. Um, and it's the 10th busiest airport in the world. Hmm. I flew from Denver to Vegas once, but I uh, was unable to take in the the beauty of this place uh, as it was right and proper because it was a rush. Part of it is that they excavated a huge amount of this area and created all of these underground tunnels and office spaces and stuff and then obviously covered them back up because that's what you do when you excavate a space so that you can build something on top of it. But a lot of the conspiracy theories are like they excavated X number of square feet and there's just so much space down there and we don't know what they're doing with it. What they're doing with it is like offices for airlines and two really big tunnels for dragging people's luggage back and forth. There's nothing exciting down there. But lots <laughs> of people think there is. <laughs> Options for things that they might be using the underground tunnels for. Concentration camps in the future for when the United States decides to murder all of its people. We know that's not true because they already have con concentration camps 
And they're using them. And it's not at the Denver airport. Yeah, they don't yep. even need to hide them. Above right? ground and everything. Fallout shelter for when uh, nuclear war happens and all of the important people in the world go to shelter underneath the airport. But why like, would you go to Denver? Yeah. <laughs> they, they already have a bunch of those, too. Like, Okay, why would you go to Denver? Good question. Because Denver is really high up. Yeah. And so there's a lot more space to dig down. There is one particularly virulent conspiracy theorist who says that he was there when they first opened the airport and because some sort of shuttle or something wasn't working, they had everybody go into these underground tunnels and they were full of like fancy gilded art and everything. And why would you have that down there if you were never going to have people down there again? And by all accounts, this guy's just making shit up. (laughs) (laughs) Although a Rococo airport would be pretty cool. So... Uh, that is actually another part of the conspiracy theory. There is a lot of very weird art in this airport. <laughs> yeah. There is a giant horse out front, a giant blue horse with like demonic red eyes, which is very anatomically correct. And yeah. in the course of being built, killed its creator. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it oh, actually it fall on it him? fell on yeah, him right. while it was being made and like severed his femoral artery oh jeez. yeah so his like his estate had to finish building it he didn't even get to finish uh. it off so you know that's a good basis for some conspiracy theories apparently it causes panic attacks in people sometimes when that's they terrifying. see it <laughs> it's very jeez. scary there's also a lot of uh, murals and there's also gargoyles in the uh, baggage exchange, which the uh, artist describes as being like protectors, like in churches, they're protecting yeah. and overseeing things. But people, I guess, leave like Bible tracks on them and stuff, <laughs> and, and notes about how they're satanic and yada yada. Good times. The two main murals that are usually pointed at by conspiracy theories are uh, there's one called "Sleeping Children Dream of Peace." And one called In Peace and Harmony with Nature and the Children of the World Dream of Peace by Leo Tenguma. Um, and they're, they're diptychs. So there's one huge part of each of them that is like, everything is beautiful and wonderful. And then a small part of each of them, uh, which depicts like the horrors of war and the horrors of bad things happening to the environment. And conspiracy theories point to this as saying that the large part is what's happening now. And the small part is what the new world order is going to do to the world once they take over. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they are really big. And like, honestly, the, uh, the part of the painting that is supposed to depict horrors is like really horrifying. Like one of them has a uh, ghostly Nazi soldier, like s- with a giant sword stabbing a dove out of the sky. It's, it's pretty messed up stuff. Uh, so I found out while researching this that one of the reasons that the Denver airport has so much weird art is because Denver had a law on the books and probably still does when the airport was being built that any public work over a million dollars needed to have 1% of its building costs dedicated to public art for that space. That's cool. Right. That's mm-hmm. kind of cool. The Denver airport. Another piece of the conspiracy is that it went over $2 billion over budget while being built. So that is a shit ton of money for art. (laughs) And so part of it is like, what did they need all that extra money for? Well, because big projects go over budget. All, all of the time. Constantly. Yeah. Yep. That is so, a rule of building thing. <laughs> so it, it took a lot longer than it was supposed to, and it cost a lot more than it was supposed to. But because it cost so much money, 1% of the budget was like a lot of art. And so the committee that was in charge of deciding on this art took proposals and 
they didn't dictate the final form of the art. They were just told, like, this is the theme I want to do. So, you know, the theme would be like, Oh, Peace. the art was commissioned. Right. Yeah. yeah it that was makes specifically sense. It was for commissioned. It wasn't. the building. Mm. Hmm. So yeah, a lot of weird art, a uh, lot of things that people can read into as they wish. Hmm. Right. Uh, and much like QAnon, this is one of those conspiracy theories that because there's so much stuff and so much space and so much time, uh, you can just pick a conspiracy theory and apply it to the Denver airport. Yeah, especially um, if you're stuck there between connections. Yeah. <laughs> so it's an Illuminati base. Of course. Uh, it is where the reptilian overlords live. Yep. It is... Okay, UFO... Yeah, an alien landing yeah. base. There are associations with the Freemasons. Uh, so the Freemasons dedicated a time capsule during the opening ceremonies and put like a fancy capstone over it. And it has an inscription in English and one in Braille. And apparently, if you touch the Braille correctly, you can release poisonous gas. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yeah. It's just like every possible weird theory. I remember there was a lot of uh, a lot of chatter about the, the way the uh, landing strips were angled. Yes. Uh, so from the air, there is a kind of resemblance to a swastika. Yeah. Like pretty bad swastika. Like even the like graffiti artists do a better job. But that's just how runways are arranged in a proper airport so that you have a lot of space between the landings and so that you can taxi back to the thing. So one of the problems with the, uh, with the older Denver airport was actually that in bad weather, which apparently happened about 150 days a year in Denver, uh, <laughs> they were cut from 86 landings an hour to 30 landings an hour. Oof. So, that's kind of a mess. Uh, so this new arrangement of landing strips was supposed to help alleviate that because the old one, they were too close together and they were parallel. So having them arranged like this was to help solve that big problem. Yeah. Is that not something that you could look at other airports around the world and see similar configuration? Oh, probably. You know, like it, it doesn't take a lot of thinking outside of the immediate senses. Yeah. Right. And it's, so all those other airports are also secret Nazi right. UFO bases. And thus, the world is not a globe. And it looks way more like an octopus than a swastika. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I would love to see an octopus-themed landing. <laughs> that would be amazing. Okay, one of the more interesting pieces of this. Uh, in 2007, some claim that 14 commercial aircraft spontaneously shattered windshields, uh, presumably as the result of electromagnetic pulses. <laughs> Presumably. <laughs> Presumably. So the article that I was reading about this specifically says, first, you have to ignore how electromagnetic pulses yeah, are supposed like, to work. <laughs> why would an electro, like, you, that wouldn't, electromagnetic pulses wouldn't shatter, no. they would fry electrical systems, a, like a, a sonic boom would like cause physical damage like that. The consensus was that there was really high winds right then, and a bunch of them got cracked windshields because of flying rocks, which is apparently very common in Denver. It was just a thing that happened. Yeah. <laughs> EMPs would not, like, blow stuff around. Right. Unless so there was electromagnetism works. enough of a, like, nuclear blast that... <laughs> right, but it wouldn't, it wouldn't be the EMP that down. does it. It right. would be the actual explosion. <laughs> the airport bears a series of strange markings on its floors that some people believe symbolize a new strain of hepatitis that could be used in biological warfare. What? what? Oh, my God. What? <laughs> like, where did you get that from? Like, and uh, how, how do you say, oh, no, this means hepatitis and not, like, 
whatever right. other so this has bonus ways. racism because the symbols or markings are actually just words from the navajo language that are oh. like refer to areas around denver in navajo it's yeah. so, like take one second to think <laughs> one second and you can come up with all sorts of more plausible things yeah that should just be the tagline for our show. Yeah. <laughs> no, I thought that was Andrew Wakefield's Human Garbage. Yeah. We haven't said that in a while. <laughs> just, just a friendly reminder to our listeners. <laughs> Andrew Wakefield is trash. So one of the most important things to remember about this conspiracy is that it would be really, really weird if they went to all the trouble of building a huge underground bunker for whatever reason and then put clues everywhere. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this, isn't, this isn't a video game. Yeah. Or an ARG. It's not an escape room. (laughs) (laughs) So there would be no reason to publicly display all of your nefarious intentions for the world to see if you wanted your base to remain secret. Yeah, people are Bond villains, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's very silly. Uh, of course, the conspiracy theories, because this can never be falsified, they just say, well, they, they're so high and mighty about everything that they yeah. believe they can't be caught so they they like putting those clues out for people they, 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 they're taunting us right yeah. and right. some people will say that oh well if you ask the airport staff about them none of them will talk to you about it but uh one of the they're probably sick of hearing exactly, about it yeah so somebody from a skeptical inquirer magazine i think went to the airport to just talk to people about this and asked somebody at the at one of the desks, and she <laughs> apparently just sighed, rolled her eyes, and handed over the number for the media relations officer. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's not that they won't talk about it, it's just they don't want to talk about it anymore. They don't care. Like, yeah. your novel finding is not new to them. Mm-hmm. Go away. They've heard everything about it. And so, I, yeah, I have, as a, a final <laughs> note... Reminds me of, like, Steven Crowder sitting on that uh, university campus with his, um, uh, what, like, patriarchy is a myth you know, prove me wrong. Dude, it's not that nobody can debate you. It's that nobody wants to. (laughs) (laughs) An interview I read with the art director from the Denver airport, he asked, what conspiracy theories have you heard about the airport? And Matt replies, I think it's more, what conspiracy theories haven't we heard about the airport? (laughs) Basically, you name it. You name a conspiracy theory and somehow we seem to be connected to it. It's one of the exciting parts about the story, the culture that has built up around these. We can fit into pretty much any story you want to tell, because the assumptions and the misinterpretations have gotten wilder and wilder. It's a very plastic narrative that's been created. And we see that in all kinds of these conspiracy theories, that as long as you're willing to believe that people are trying to deceive you, you can pack anything you want into these narratives. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Our bullshit burrito. (laughs) (laughs) Full of E. coli. Oh, that's funny. All right, what are we talking about next month, Jem? Oh, We're yeah. back to you. We're back to me. I haven't given it much thought, to be honest, but I think that uh, in honor of me having finished uh, writing <laughs> the MCAT at that point, although maybe this will be a depressing uh, decision come September, uh, we're going to talk about some medical myths. Okay, cool. Dive into the Sawbones back catalog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no our research has already been done for us. <laughs> Can't we just... Our entire podcast is a link to several Sawbones episodes. <laughs> Good night, folks! <laughs> Well, thanks for joining me today, everyone. Good night. Good night. Good night. Life, the Universe, and Everything Else is produced by Jem Newman and Ashlyn Noble, with mix and tech production by Jem Newman. If you want to support the show, the best way to do that is with a review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, or by sharing an episode with a friend. 
Original music is produced by Ian James, and this episode was edited by Lauren Bailey.